Okay, disclaimer time. I'm not a podcaster, so this is going to sound bad for a little while. I'll get better as time goes, and I am also just a fan. Not a musician, not a professional music critic. I'm going to tell you what I like, and that's going to be about it. I'm also doing this not entirely for the fans. I hope I get some, I hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope you guys give me feedback. But I'm doing it for my son. When my dad died, I did not have any recordings of his voice, so I missed that. I'm doing this so that when my son is 52, he can look back at his 52-year-old dad and say, my dad was a dumbass. Also, apologies for today's sound. I set the thing up in haste and just needed to get it done and out there so that I could prove to myself that I could do this. Uh, so during the episode, you'll, know, you'll notice a lot of uh, bouncing off of hard surfaces. I'm trying to avoid that in the future, and I'm going to get better, as I said before. Thanks for your patience. They don't give a damn about you. They don't like you. I don't like you. Welcome to the PissCast, also known as Pitside Dad. I'm Tor, I'm your host, and this is a podcast about... An old guy who goes to a lot of shows, a lot of heavy music shows. You've seen him. You've seen me. I'm the guy with the gray beard sitting at the side of the pit or back a little bit and maybe creeping you out a little bit. That's me. But I assure you, or I hope to, disabuse you of any thoughts that I am a creeper. Creeper? Creeper. Yeah, this is the creep. So I'll tell you some stories about how I got into this stuff and hopefully hear from you guys eventually about what you think about it all. So we're gonna start today with my origin story. When I was about 10, my mom, a lapsed Presbyterian, decided that Jesus needed to re-enter her life. She took to a small church in the town of Sebastopol, Northern California. The state of Northern California. And recommitted herself to God. Was born again, went to her baptism ceremony, and shortly after she converted or reconverted, she made it known that the rest of the family was going to have to follow suit. My dad was sort of a go-along kind of dad with this sort of thing. We all ended up going to church. Uh, he bailed out pretty early, which left me and my mom. Uh, I was drafted into Sunday school classes, sent on youth group outings, and it was okay. Uh, I didn't really take to Jesus, didn't really understand it, got kicked out of Sunday school class at certain points for asking questions that I guess were inappropriate. Anyway, that section of my life and her life went on for about two years. This part of my life also coincided with a move from Forestville, California to Roner Park, California. Now, anybody who knows this area of Northern California knows that those two towns are very different. Forestville had a population of 1776, and Park was about 35,000 people. So it was a big move for me. I met kids who were into things that I never really understood, and one of those things was music. When I started at Roner Park Junior High as an 11-year-old, the first person I met, or one of the first people I met, was a kid named Greg. Now, Greg was, and I think to this day, still the biggest Ozzy fan I ever met. Ozzy was everything, and pretty much Greg only liked Ozzy. He had a little space for Judas Priest, but everybody else was too weak and too soft. You're fucking 10 ply, bud. So Greg started Ozzy 101 for me, and uh, I was hooked right from the get-go. Every class, we'd talk in the back and get in trouble, 
and he filled me in on all of Ozzy's exploits, the best songs to listen to. I don't think he made me a mixtape, but um, pretty much he gave me a primer on Mr. Osborne. Heavy metal definitely rules. Twist and Sister, Jews, Priest, Dawkins, Ozzy, Scorpions, they all rule. This was pivotal for me because I didn't have anything, like nothing that was my own at that time. I had just lost all my friends, was trying to make new friends. It was weird. I was portly. I was eating my lunch by myself behind a transformer in the corner of the campus. So to have somebody say, hey, I think you're okay, and Aussie rules, of course I was going to adopt that opinion. Haven't really ever lost it, although I haven't liked anything Aussie's done since the 80s, so maybe I have lost it. And remember, this is at a time, 1982-ish, when Aussie was everything. We had the bat incident, the dove incident. All kinds of stuff happening with Ozzy. And so he was infamous and was doing sort of his best work of his career with Diary and Blizzard and um, Bark at the Moon, which is my favorite Ozzy, probably because it was the first one I really heard. And, you know, I, I was on the train really early, really soon. <laughs> my mom, not so much. As you can imagine, Ozzy had a lot of iconography on his album covers, which seemed to intimate that he was some sort of satanic figure, though any of you that know anything about this music understand that it's quite the opposite for Ozzy in a lot of ways. Um, but that didn't that didn't matter. What was showing on the, the pictures was freaking my mom out. And I can remember vividly one afternoon, they took me to pizza in Sebastopol, California, after a little church group thing, my mom and my dad, and sat me down. This rebellion things you're going through, I, I, I understand it, not completely, but uh, I respect it. The conversation went something like this. Hey, Tor, um, we just want to know a little bit more about this music you're listening to. What do you want to know? Mom says, well, there's this band, Judas Priest, and that really concerns me because do you know who Judas was? No. Well, I, I mean, no. Probably should have because I... Sure, that came up in Sunday school or in church at one point. But she went on to tell me Judas was the man who betrayed Christ, and she didn't think it was right for somebody to put the name priest after Judas, and it seemed as if they were worshiping something that was inherently sinful. And little did my mom know that Judas Priest was named after a Bob Dylan song, even though I think she was a Bob Dylan fan. Anyway, they expressed concern but didn't exactly tell me I couldn't listen to it. Though what was implied was that I shouldn't probably flaunt that I was listening to it to them, which because I was a pleaser as a kid, that's what I did. Went underground, so to speak. It's a secret. Underground for a whole year. Uh, That was until I met Steve Alvaro, or not so much met Steve Alvaro, became aware of Steve Alvaro. Steve was just kind of a long shock of well, shock wave of ink black hair. He walked like a bad dude, handsome and dangerous, all in black, sort of the arms swivel around his muscular chest. Steve was a kind of 80s kid who probably never lifted a weight, but he looked like he lifted all of them. And he wasn't so much a popular kid as he was like a figurehead. He didn't run a crew or show up in the quad at lunch to be seen, even show up in class all that much, I think. He was just stalking around the grounds like a sentinel of cool. 
receiving nods from all the boys, nods that he probably seldom returned, and getting more than a few backwards glances from girls on campus. Steve might have been a year older than me, or the same age, but he looked every minute at 22. When it came to social capital, Steve held it all, like nobody could challenge him. One day in eighth grade, we were waiting for a PE class to start, and I was wearing an Iron Maiden shirt. Now, I had never been to an Iron Maiden concert. I don't even remember where I got this, but it had a listing of the shows they had done on the back. And Steve walked up to me, looked me up and down, and I remember thinking, is he going to fight me? Am I going to get beat up? And he said, nice shirt. Where'd you see him? And holy shit. Holy shit. I had no answer. I, I choked. Then I said, Irvine. Irvine. Irvine? I've never been to Irvine. I don't know where Irvine is. I said Irvine. I just saw it on the shirt. Chose it out of the air. He's going to know. He's going to know I've never been to an Iron Maiden concert. He's going to know. He's going to ask me what songs they played. I don't know anything except Run to the Hills and Number of the Beast. Oh my God, my life is over. I'm going to be the biggest poser in the school. He's going to expose me for the fraud I am. This is Stevie Alvaro and I tried to fake him, and he's going to beat me up, and I'm never going to live it down. And he looked at me, sort of squinty, sort of that Clint Eastwood squint, and he said, cool. Is it an origin story? Nah, probably not. But it's a couple of stories from how I got, when I got into this music. Anyway, this podcast is supposed to be about an old guy who goes to a bunch of shows, so... Here's a recap of this week's concert calendar. So I was lucky enough to go to three shows this week. Uh, first one was Spirit Box with After the Burial and Intervals in Sacramento at the Ace of Spades. Uh, first things first, Ace of Spades, not my favorite place. It's a really good venue in a lot of ways, but it's a cattle call and there's no fucking place to sit. And as an old guy with a bad back, it takes a lot of aspirin for me to get through a three- Plus hour show. After the burial was great. Intervals. I'm always a little, I'm always a little leery of a band without a vocalist who plays basically traditional metal songs, metal structured songs. So didn't love that, but uh, you know, more power to them. And uh, Spirit Box was amazing. Uh, amazing in the sense that their performance was solid and the crowd was really, really responding well to them. Not so amazing because. I don't know if it was the venue, but they weren't mixing Courtney LaPlante's vocals very well, so it it was hit or miss on that. But uh, overall, a really good time with a lot of positive energy and thought it sounded really good. Second show, God is War and Noel and World Peace. Uh, didn't stay for World Peace because I had just been to Spirit Box the night before. This one was in San Francisco, so a little closer to home, but still about an hour drive for me. So I didn't stay for World Peace. Forgive me. I do that a lot of times if I'm not really there for the headliner. I came for Noel, and they did not disappoint. Moody and really, really inventive sort of stage setup with a one light that, or maybe two lights, one backlight, one front light that provided everything amidst a very fog machined up stage. I don't know if you're a Noel fan, but the music is frenetic 
Sometimes Doomy occasionally throws a trumpet in the mix, which they had there live, which I very much appreciated. And people reputedly know has some of the wildest shows around because of the response of the fans. And this, I don't think San Francisco normally lives up to some of the wilder places, but this was pretty good. Um, you always know you're in for a fun night when the pit has a guy with a safety helmet on. The third and final show of the week was the Here's Collective at The Stork Club in Oakland. On the bill, Close Friends, Kim, Choking Game, and the Here's Collective. The headliners were great. Uh, Choking Game was really high energy and fun, sort of hardcore unit from the Bay. Uh, Close Friends, decent opener, but Kim really stole the show. They were a Doom, Prog, Crescendo building monster, like three-piece that just stole... All the all the thunder from from the other bands, except maybe the Here's Collective, who are just their own thing altogether. Uh, but Kim, really impressive and uh, a lot of fun. The other thing I'll say about it is it was so nice to be in a space where trans people and and non-binary people and all of the 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 queer folk out there who normally are not welcomed into the scene in a lot of ways felt like this was a space that was safe and was particularly for their enjoyment and their, um, their celebration. And as a cisgendered hetero white male, uh, it was just cool. It was cool to be in that space and, and watch a different perspective being celebrated and advocated for and having myself feel very welcomed and warm in that space as well. So here's collective. Fun, great. Go see them if you can because they are definitely their own thing. And Kim, check them out. Kim Oakland Bandcamp. Don't look them up on Apple or Spotify because there's a million uh, Kims on there. And that's this week's concert roundup. Next week, uh, the Chaos and Carnage Tour, which is Dying Fetus, Suicide Silence, Aborted, Born of Osiris, Sanguisugabog, say it wrong every time, and a couple others I'm forgetting, but uh, I'll review that one next week. Okay, album of the week. Just another note here. My album of the week isn't always going to be an album that was released in that week. I'm going to try and do that as much as possible, but I may have to fall back and be a month behind or a week behind or a few months behind because discovering this stuff, as a lot of you probably know, is just a process that takes time. This album of the week is actually from last week. It's the new release from Holy Moses called Invisible Queen. And Holy Moses was a band that I knew absolutely nothing about. They've actually been around since the early 80s and are contemporaries of Destruction and Creator and those early thrash European outfits. Their early stuff is thrash, but this is a little more developed and spans a few genres. This corker is supposed to be their final album, and it's too bad, because this thing, I don't know, I'm going to sound like the old guy using modern terms, but this thing slaps and fucks, and all the things that people younger than me say and cringe at when people of my age say. Sabina Clausen, or Klassen, I think it's Clausen though, 
put it succinctly, she's the godmother of harsh vocals. How did how does nobody mention this person? We all know Angela Gasso, and and she's amazing. But this woman was doing it twenty years before her. All right, maybe ten. Sabina Clausen is in her sixties. She's punching with the big dogs here. The other thing is it just charges out of the gates and it never really stops. Downfall of Mankind and The Cult of the Machine are the first two tracks and they're, they may be the best on the album, but it never really dips in quality. It's stem to stern strong and a hearty endorsement to Invisible Queen by Holy Moses. It's definitely on my AOTY or Album of the Year watch list. And that's this week's Album of the Week. Okay, that's it. That's the first podcast, first story down. Tune in next week for another story, another concert review, another album of the week, another chance for you to hate, listen, or send me negative feedback or whatever. Send me send me something positive. I'd love that too. Just know that if you send me something negative, I'm not going to listen to it. If you were to come to my face and say it, maybe. Um, if you want to give me constructive criticism, super. But uh, if you're just a hater, you know, enjoy yourself. And thank you all for listening, even the haters. I will be back next week. My name is Tor, and this has been Pit Side Dad. Dad.